Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable from New York. I got on a train yesterday and came to New York. I had this bright idea. <laughs> Let me back up. If you listen to Tuesday's episode, which came out late on Wednesday... I recorded the episode on Tuesday and I talked about I'm about to get this ticket to this Dave Chappelle concert. I said at the end, I was like, I'm about to log off and get dressed to go to Dave Chappelle. And it dawned on me that the narrative for the whole podcast episode is where I was going to be that night. And to put it up, announcing to the world exactly where I was would not be the best idea, especially because I went to the show by myself. So I had to hold the podcast, either that or completely retape it, which was not an option. So thank you for your patience. I know the podcast has been going up a little late. That's partly my fault. Roll with this. You know, I'm on the road constantly. My schedule has just been all over the place, especially the last (laughs) three months. Yeah. Work with me, please. Also, same episode. You know how I was like, I'm so exhausted. I'm so exhausted. But I'm going to this Dave Chappelle concert and dig. I was going in this show and this woman recognized me. She was like, you really go out every single night. And I was like, yes. Before this trip or this return home, I'd only been in America for two weeks in the last 15 months. 
I thought I was just going to come back. I was going to switch out my suitcases, hang out with my parents for a little bit. And then I was just going to get on a flight and go back to Africa. Literally, I was supposed to leave. What's today? Friday? I had originally planned to leave tomorrow. Clearly, that's not happening. I switched my flight once, pushed it by a week. I'm also going to push it again by another two weeks. I'll get to Ghana eventually. I want to go. There's so much here that I missed. And I forgot how much I missed it. But I went to see Dave Chappelle. Hilarious. He had Lunell. She was one of the openers. And Earthquake was one of the openers. Both hilarious. As if that needed to be said. They've been around forever with good reason. And then Dave came out. Um, (laughs) Dave is my problematic fave. He says so much shit that he has no business saying. His stance on trans folks. I'm like, why? Why is this the hill you choose to die on? I love Dave despite that. Not because of it. But he was really good. He was shooting his next Netflix special. He specifically said that. It's his last special, at least the, under the current contract that he has for Netflix. Dave Chappelle is Dave Chappelle. He's a magnificent storyteller, even if some of the stories are like shit he probably shouldn't say or tell. But his delivery is just absolutely excellent. In case you're wondering, yes, he had a whole bit on trans people. And I was like, sir, let it go. But he's not. He also made fun of handicapped people. I think just on the GP of being like, well, I make fun of everybody. So like, you can't really get mad at me because I'm like an equal opportunity bigot, sort of. But no, he talked about, I don't know. I don't feel right giving his comedy special away. I didn't take notes. And we had to, um, as with most Dave Chappelle shows, put our phones away, put our phones in the pouch. So I will say this. He does his whole stand-up routine and it's really good. Like, it's Dave Chappelle. You know, he's from the DMV. So he goes off stage and then he comes back for a bit of an encore. Like he sits on his stool and he lights his cigarette and he asks somebody to bring him a drink. And so he sat on stage for maybe another 30, maybe even 40 minutes after the show and just talk shit with the audience. People were throwing out issues. I mean, literally people from the audience just like yelling out topics that they wanted him to address. And he did. It was a really good show. And shout out to the producers at Netflix. I got my single ticket, Roe G., but the first time I looked for Dave Chappelle tickets, because they were sold out on Ticketmaster, I had to get a ticket off StubHub, it was $540. And I was like, I love Dave Chappelle. No. I tried calling around to the tour managers and was like, who can get me a ticket? And they were like, in New York, in Vegas, cool. In D.C., he's from there. Like, everyone he knows, everyone he's related to wants to come to the show. And I was like, ah! So I ended up getting a ticket off StubHub. I didn't get my ticket until... 825 and the ticket had dropped below $200 for Roe G. And I was like, bet. So I just bought it and literally hopped in the car to go to the show. I had already like done my hair, put on my outfit, was in full makeup and was like, you know, as soon as it gets to a number I want, I'm out. So that's what I did. And I get there. The row is completely empty. It's only me in the row. I sit down and 30 seconds later, one of the producers of the show comes up and was like, do you want to sit in the front row? And I was like, where in the front? And they were like, well, it's the side front. He comes to the edge of the stage. You'll have an unobstructed view. And I was like, bet. So I moved to the front row. I was filling out the um, the waiver because they're shooting for Netflix. So I need to agree to be in the shots. But I was like signing the waiver. And the woman was like, welcome back. <laughs> it's good to be home. It's also, you know, good to be out in the world. But it's, it's very good to be home. That was Tuesday night. I swear I almost didn't go because I was like, this is kind of crazy. And then I really talked to myself and I was like, look, months from now, when this special airs on Netflix, you're going to be like, damn, I should have gone to the show. It's like, I know you're tired. I was like, there's definitely leftover Dunkin' Donuts somewhere in this house. Go take it to the head. 
and go downtown and did. So that was Tuesday night. Wednesday night, I had tickets for Maxwell. I literally bought those tickets in the car coming from the airport. Like when I landed from Paris, it was amazing. It was at the Kennedy Center. It was Maxwell with an orchestra. He sounded amazing. He looked amazing. He danced amazing. The orchestra was amazing. Everything about it was amazing. Another situation, I was in row G. Is that like my row? I guess. It was perfect. Like he was right in front of us. I didn't even need to put my glasses on to see him perfectly. It was heavenly. I forgot how much I loved him. It was towards the end of the concert. He did that Luther run. You know how Luther would take his voice really deep and then he would like undulate it like going up? Maxwell did something like that and then like went higher because he has a falsetto. Beautiful, 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 beautiful voice. He just played with his instrument. I mean, his voice, not his instrument. The audience was going crazy and he was like, the mic is on, y'all. The mic is on. I turned to my friend and I was like, does Maxwell have a live album? Like, I know he has an unplugged album from back in the day, but I was like, Maxwell with an orchestra could be a thing. Because me and my friends are like the youngest folks in the audience and we're like in our 40s. I would say a good chunk of the audience was in their mid to late 50s and maybe older because you can't tell with black people. Like if they look mid 50s, they're probably mid 60s. My only criticism of the show, the only criticism, he performed for like the most solid hour ever. He sounded amazing. He looked amazing. Everything about the show was on point. And then he he seemed to finish the show. And we were like, oh, okay. Like he walked off stage and we just sat there because we were like, well, I know he's coming back because he didn't sing this woman's work, which I feel like is probably his biggest song. It's one of my favorite Maxwell songs. There's no way that Maxwell is going to come to the Kennedy Center with an orchestra, no less. One, not do an encore. And two, not do this woman's work. So we sat there. Maxwell left the stage and then the backup singer left the stage and then the guitarist left the stage. The drummer left the stage. The pianist left the stage. But the orchestra was still sitting there. And I was like, oh, okay, he's definitely coming back. And me and my friends thought the same thing. People in front of us, they sat there. Other people in the row, our entire row did not move because we just knew there was an encore. The orchestra got up and left. And we were like, damn, so all them people going to come out and they're going to come, they're going to have to come back in. They've really taken this encore thing a little far. And then this guy, it wasn't the pianist, but he came back and he like sat at the piano. He did some things. And I was like, well, technically you could do this woman's work with just a, like a piano. You don't really need like the whole full kit and caboodle. Like, okay, but somebody came back to the piano. That's a good sign. He put a cover over the piano and I was like, oh, the show is really over. We're, we're not getting an encore. Oh, dear. We had some friends that were doing an event at the Blacksonian. What's the real name of that museum? The National African-American Museum of History and Culture. Is that the name of it? Nobody ever calls it that in D.C. We just call it the Blacksonian. They're doing an exhibition series on Afrofuturism. A bunch of folks were over there. One of my friends was speaking and he planned to come to the Maxwell concert. So he hit one of the ladies I was with. He was like, hey, did the concert start? And she was like, we just got our phones back. The concert is over. We went and met them. It's like a D.C. institution. It stays open all night. So we went over there. We ended up with like a table of 16, 18, minimum 14. And then other people kept joining the table. Being home is surreal. I was sitting next to one of my friends at this long ass table. And this woman from across the room texted him and was like, that's Demetria, right? She said, ask her what she thinks about Jada and Will. I can't wait till Friday. DC is not a real place. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. So that was after Maxwell. I was talking about going to New York. Like I had this grand idea that I was going to go out every night for, I don't know, an entire week except for Thursday. And then after this Maxwell concert, I was going to hang out with my friends until like one o'clock in the morning, go home and pack, get on a six something train, which I hadn't bought yet and come to New York. And go gallivanting around the city all day. And I was like, I'm so exhausted, but I'm just going to push through, blah, blah, blah. And people were like, hey, like, look, I, I enjoy the life. I, I enjoy the travel. Like, I'm, I'm all good for it. But like, you need to rest. <laughs> you are not 20 something years old anymore. Your body is going to shut down. There's no way you can keep running like this. Four hours of train sleep is not enough to roll through a day. And I was like, I mean, you're right, but there's coffee. Stop. So they convinced me. They were like, so do this. Go home and go to sleep. Don't set an alarm. When your body is rested and wakes itself up, then you can get up and plan your day. They were like, what time is like the big event you must be at? We didn't even talk about that yet. I was like, the screening doesn't start until like 7.30, but there's a cocktail out there. No, the screening. Focus on getting to the screening. Everything else is optional. But for the love of God, sleep. So I did. I still woke up at like 8.30 because you know I wake up at the crack of dawn. Like 8.30 is super late for me. So I woke up at 8.30, washed and twisted my hair, sat under the dryer, booked a hotel and an Amtrak ticket for later that day, packed all my shit and I had to pull outfits together because like overseas, I just throw on a sandal and a dress and I'm out. But I was like, you know, it's weird weather here. Like I need layers and like closed-toed shoes and like warm shit. And I was like, I don't own warm clothes anymore. Like I intentionally avoid rain and coats. It's actually good weather in New York though. It's like 60 something degrees. But I got on a two o'clock train came to New York, made it to the cocktail reception. I don't know if I talked about this. Yes, because I remember I had to look up the pronunciation of Bayard Rustin's name. I told you this on the last episode. There was a premiere for Rustin, the biopic about Bayard Rustin's life, the architect of the March on Washington and other parts of the civil rights movement. The March on Washington is just his biggest project. But I went to the cocktail party. Emil Wilbekin, who I've known, Jesus, since 2000, fall 2000? My very first quote unquote job in New York City, I was an intern for Vibe and Emil was the editor in chief. I've known him since I was 
21. He's more of the age to me as a big brother or older cousin, but he's also been very much like a father figure. Like I was a 21 year old girl who moved to New York City and wanted to be a journalist. I'm an intern in grad school. I don't even have a byline. And Emil is the editor in chief of, of one of the biggest magazines in the country. Vibe was it and everything at the time. Reading Dream Hampton and Lola Oganake's features in Vibe and the source as well is what made me want to become a writer. So like to be at Vibe was like the biggest thing on earth. Even as an intern, like I felt like I had arrived. But Emil was the EIC and then, you know, he went his separate ways and I went mine. And then we connected again when he was running Essence.com. And Emil was one of the first people I told, like after my book came out. And I was like, so I think I'm just going to go do the tour circuit thing and do the life coach thing full time. I want to do more than be the relationship editor. Like I've been there for four years, hadn't gotten a promotion, wasn't getting paid that well, was sitting in a cubicle. It was very glamorous from the outside looking in, but it wasn't so glamorous living it. Most journalist jobs are not. But I told Emil, hey, this is what I want to do. What do you think? And he was like, you'll be fine. And then also, that's the important part, gave me a contract with Essence.com for the first year. I had a column and they paid me. At the time, it was good money. It was more than I was making as a full-time editor. Literally, I quit my job at Essence and started freelancing as a daily columnist. I was constantly thinking about what my next story idea was. It was stressful as fuck, but also prepared me for like what I do now with the podcast. Like I'm constantly on, you know, like that streamer at the bottom of like, I don't know, CNN. Like they're talking about one thing, but they're giving you like updates on breaking news stories. That's how my mind works. There's always a constant stream of story ideas or content, no matter what I'm doing. There's always this constant stream going through the back of my mind about content for the podcast. I say all that to say, Emil's always taken excellent care of me. I don't know where I would be as a writer or a journalist in New York. I like to think I would have figured it out. He made it a lot easier to figure that out. And I'm very thankful for him. So I wanted to see this movie. I definitely wanted to see this movie when the good folks at Netflix were like Emil and his organization, Native Son, are hosting it. So I was like, yes, I'm in. That's why I wanted to like go to the cocktail party so bad. Got to New York in time to make the tail end of the cocktail party. And then we went over to the screening. It's an amazing film. Remember last episode, I was concerned about Coleman Domingo and I was like, I don't know about him as Mr. I really like him as a person and I feel like him playing this terrible role. Will I, will I be able to separate the actor from the person? Like, I don't know. I think it's going to ruin Coleman Domingo for me. No, no, not after I saw Rustin. He is magnetic and magnificent. I've never seen footage of Bayard Rustin. I don't know how closely... Coleman Domingo nailed his speech patterns or mannerisms or appearance or or anything like that. I do know that what I saw on that screen was an amazing, amazing performance. If Coleman Domingo's depiction is any kind of accurate, I feel really even more angry, I think is the right word, about the erasure of Rustin from the civil rights movement as a whole, but particularly the March on Washington. He's such a larger than life personality. He's one of those people, stay with me on this analogy. You know, early Don Cheadle films, I'm thinking specifically of Devil in a Blue Dress. It's Denzel's film. And then Don Cheadle shows up as Mouse and he just completely steals the scene from Denzel in the 90s at peak Denzel height. And everybody was like, who the fuck is this dude? MF Don Cheadle. 
The kind of personality that Bayard Rustin had is a scene-stealing personality. He's larger than life. He has great one-liners. It's a big presence. He's not someone that goes in a room and then you forget he was there. He has big main character energy. So him being erased from the narrative of the civil rights movement, the narrative of history, where he's sort of well-known in certain circles, he's just sort of like this fringe character that people might have heard of at some point, as opposed to one of like, you know, the big, big names, like a Martin Luther King or... Um, Adam Clayton Powell, John Lewis, and the, and the people who are well-known also did the work. I don't point out that they're known to take anything away from them. I just point out that Rustin's name should be mentioned amongst those other people. If you're in a certain circles, you might know who Bayard Rustin is. Barack and Michelle Obama are EPs on the film, so there was a little opener with an introduction by Barack Obama, and he talked about how Bayard Rustin inspired him to become an activist. He was like, we all know his work, even if we don't know we know it, but his name should be associated with his work and he should be a much bigger name and better well-known than he is, hence this movie. So other people can know about like the people who changed the world. Saying someone changed the world is like very lofty, but it's true in this case. Really, really good film. It comes out on Netflix. Let me look this up. November 17th, 2023. It's getting a limited theatrical release on November 3rd. It's a really great film. The ending, not telling you what it is, got me. I was like, he's a a leader's leader. Spend a lot of time online listening to people talk about leadership, men especially. Always in context of relationships. I was like, so you lead in no other aspect of your life, but you think that you're fit to lead in a relationship based on no demonstrated skills, nothing actionable, just the concept of born with penis. I'm like, you have no idea what a leader actually is. Bayard Rustin understood that. See the film, see the end of the film. Like, you gotta be able to play all roles. That's what leaders do. <sighs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's a whole lot more we could talk about this week. We got one more big subject. You know what I'm about to talk about. We're going to skip Lenny Kravitz butt naked at 59 in his latest video, which honestly I haven't even seen yet. I've only seen the snippet that he released online and I repeat butt naked at 59 and looking amazing. He still has like an eight pack, 10 pack, tummy on flat, flat. I told my mother, I said, did you see Lenny Kravitz in this video? And I was trying to show it to her and she was like, mm, mm. And I was like, you don't want to see Lenny Kravitz at 59. It's age appropriate. She was like, mm, mm. I said, he looks really good. She said, mm. She was like, I remember the pictures from when his pants bust. It didn't look like anything to see. And I was like, oh, oh. I do remember the pictures vaguely, but I don't remember being excited about what I saw. But I have to go back and look at the pictures for research purposes. But my mother was very unenthused, like did not want to see the video. She usually likes a little filth in her life. Not too much. Classy lady. We'll talk about that on Tuesday's episode when I've had a chance to analyze it thoroughly frame by frame. Maybe the package isn't quite what's expected, but the packaging is very lovely. 
We could talk about Beyonce and Taylor Swift, although there's not really much to say. Taylor Swift had the world premiere of her concert film. It's going to be released in theaters. In case you think Taylor Swift is biting Beyonce, Taylor Swift actually had the concept. I mean, it's not an original concept per se, but as of late, people have been releasing their concert films on Netflix or HBO Max. That's where Beyonce's previous docs have been. Taylor Swift is taking it to the theaters. Beyonce is as well. And throughout the summer, people have been pitting Beyonce and Taylor Swift against each other. I remember there was something about Beyonce canceled her tour date. I want to say it was in Pittsburgh. Beyonce's people said the setup for the staging wouldn't fit in the arena. Other folks speculated that she wasn't selling out the tour dates. And I was like, really? Um, And then people pointed out, but Taylor Swift came and she did multiple dates that she sold out. Also in terms of sales for the tour, it was, is Beyonce selling more? Is Taylor Swift selling more? There's just been lots of comparisons between them. Some things that Taylor Swift had incorporated into her show. People were like, she got that from Beyonce. There's always been chatter trying to stoke, I think, a rivalry between them. I don't think one exists. I think there's a concept of healthy competition. They both want to be the best professionally, which I think is normal and healthy and good. But I don't think it's like hateful and vengeful and catty the way that sometimes the media and spectators too try to make it out to be. To be quite honest, like I didn't know who Taylor Swift was until she won, I guess it was that MTV award. This was years ago. I want to say Taylor Swift won, I think it was Best Music Video over Beyonce. It's a really infamous moment where Kanye gets on stage and was like, Beyonce had the best video of the year. The person he got on stage to interrupt was Taylor Swift. Kanye interrupting became a viral moment, has been an enduring cultural moment. But what's less remembered is Beyonce got another award later that evening and invited Taylor Swift to the stage. And she said, I remember being 17 years old, my first big win, and it was an amazing moment. And I want you to have this moment. Why am I getting teared up? But she extended the stage with so much grace to Taylor Swift. I've never heard anything actually from Beyonce or for that matter, Taylor Swift, actually from out of their mouths that seemed... Again, petty, catty, like there was a rivalry. It's very much like media and fans stoked. That said, Taylor Swift had the premiere of her concert film and Beyonce showed up. They took pictures on the red carpet. There's like a social media video of them sitting in the front row of an empty theater and like throwing popcorn and being really like girly and cutesy and whatever. Do I believe they're friends in real life? No, they just don't strike me as two people that hang out. But I do believe that they like have professional respect for each other. And I very much respect that, you know, Beyonce showed up to her film premiere. One, putting to breast any rumors about a seeming rivalry. And then also, just girl power and support. I'm still not going to see Taylor Swift's film. I don't care that Beyonce showed up in that sense. You've alerted me that it's actually coming out sooner than later. I still don't know the release date for it and will not be looking it up because I don't care. But I think it was a sweet gesture. I hope Taylor Swift returns the favor. When Beyonce's comes out in December. Now that I will be showing up for. I don't know where I'm going to see it. They may or may not have it in Ghana. And there's nothing wrong with Taylor Swift. I'm just, you know, not a fan of the the music, the branding. Sure, she's a lovely girl. But Aretha say, beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. (sighs) We need to talk about Jada Pinkett Smith and her upcoming book, Worthy. It comes out on Tuesday. I 
said when there was announcement about the book and I was like, I don't know how this is going to go because people already think Jada Smith overshares. She is probably the most disliked black woman public figure right now. There's this visceral reaction to her. There's only a couple people that get it. Jada, Lori Harvey, what's the girl? The lady that was married to Jeezy, Jeannie. There's just certain people that just can't do anything right. Any sort of public appearance, statement, anything is just met with like so much vitriol. I think the issue with Jada Pinkett Smith at its core is her transparency about the highs, lows of her life, her marriage, especially to Will Smith. She's dismantling narratives about what it means to be a married woman. Jada appearing to have this fairy tale life, a presentation that was made by careful and cautious design over decades. It was very much PR manufactured. She and Will definitely played into the idea of being the perfect couple. And then in recent years, she's decided to be honest about what her life is like. I think a lot of people look at her and be like, you have it all. You married a good-looking man up until the Oscars. He seemed like a really nice, personable guy. He makes a shit ton of money. Y'all got a big-ass house. Y'all got cars. You have beautiful kids. You got side projects. He doesn't seem like some overbearing brute that doesn't allow you to work. You're able to be married to him and pursue your passions and interests. And, and it's like, these are all the things that women are off-told that they're supposed to want, supposed to have, too. And you have them, and you seem so miserable. You seem so unhappy. There's also the idea that Michelle Obama went through this a little bit, too, and she talks about how the PR people were like, stop that, people hate it. But there's an idea that as a married woman, that you should just be happy to be married, that it should be the best thing that ever happened to you. You should love every minute of being a wife, of being a mother, you should never talk about the challenges because again, like Michelle Obama, you've got this perceived perfect life. Why wouldn't you be happy? A marriage to an attractive rich man and beautiful children, that's supposed to be all women should want and what all women should want. And these two women having it and finding fault in it, I think it ruffles the feathers of women who buy into the idea of how married women especially should behave and speak of their partners. I think it ruffles the feathers of women who want the things that they have and haven't been able to attain them. So I think there's some resentment there. And I think also with a lot of men, it's like you have these guys who give you everything that you're supposed to want and your ass is still ungrateful and unhappy. Like nothing will make you happy. Michelle Obama had to pull back off it. She talked about in interviews and in her book, I believe, she would talk about, I don't know, little things like Barack leaving his socks on the floor or Barack having a messy office or, you know, just other very minor things. Like she wasn't like spilling real tea about who he was. The PR, the analysts were like, mm, the audience is not responding well. Like you're not coming across as a supportive, helpful wife. It's You're disparaging your husband. And she was like, wait, because I don't pretend he's perfect. And they were like, yeah, but that's kind of what we need you to do. And she was like, what? Jada absolutely refuses to do that. Let me say two things. She overshares, quote unquote, overshares, over is subjective. It's too much sometimes for me. Still, 
I respect her right to say it. You know, sometimes I talk about Megan and Cardi and I'm like, hey, like they do some things. They say some things like it's a little too vulgar for me, but that's my boundary. I don't want them to change who they are or adjust to my expectations. I want them to be exactly who they are. And I'll check in for the things that I like and I'll check out for the things that I don't. That's kind of how I feel about Jada. I don't want to be a woman who silences other women. I was thinking of this quote the other day. I had to look it up. It's Zora Neale Hurston. Quote, if you were silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. So when I think of that, it feels really crazy to me to say and to hear people say that they don't want Jada to tell her truth. Clearly, she's unhappy with a whole lot of things that happen in her marriage. She and Will are currently separated. She recently announced in promo for her memoir. I think she said the last seven years which really doesn't come as that big a surprise to me. I think the revelation, I understand she's selling a a book, selling a memoir at that. By nature of the medium, you're going to spill some tea and tell some stories that haven't been told. I just don't understand why they waited this long to say it. Because if if you go back to even when August Elsina, because I think that was the turning point when people started really disliking Jada, they already felt a way about some of the things she said on Red Table Talk, but they were letting her bang. But the, when August Alcida was like, yeah, I used to mess with Jada, people were like, girl, what? I don't understand why when they got on that Red Table Talk, they weren't just like, yeah, we've been separated for years. They said we were separated at the time. And Will specifically said he was like, yeah, I was done with you. It was presented as there was a break. There was a separation. Jada did her thing. I don't think Will addressed doing his own thing. He kind of implied it was going to be some get back. And I was like, okay, y'all need to address this in therapy, not at the red table. This is an entertainment platform. Might have done some therapy. That doesn't make you a therapist. But I don't understand why they just didn't say at the time, like, hey, like we're separated. It would have explained so much and made it so much easier on both of them. I take no issue with them being separated for the last seven years. Like some people are like, what's the point to stay married? If they both wanted to leave, they leave. They don't want to leave. I completely understand why anyone would try to avoid that process. So Will, having been through a divorce before, I completely understand how he could be like, I'm not doing that again. I'm just not. Like, it's hell on earth. You can live your separate life. You can go live on the other side of the house. You can get an apartment on the other side of the world. We're not getting divorced. Whenever I date other divorced people, we have that conversation. We're like, "Mm -mm, I'm never going through that shit again. That said, if Jada really wanted to leave, she could leave. He's going to make it hell for her to go. She might not want to deal with that. That might be why she chooses to stay. They also might genuinely have love for each other, could be in love with each other and just can't figure out how to make it work. Maybe they've grown in different directions. They've been married for 30 some odd years. All these things are possible. Also, what they're doing isn't revolutionary or new. It's kind of old timey. There's a whole bunch of people, black people, from previous generations who were like, this is some bullshit, but I'm not leaving you and you're not leaving me. I'll do my thing. You do your thing. We'll live separate lives. And then, you know, when somebody passed, everything is still considered a marital asset and goes to the spouse pretty easily. They got hundreds of millions of dollars. If they were to separate, lawyers are taking a huge chunk of it. They have businesses worth multi-millions that are tied up together. It would be a mess to unravel that. It's possible. If you want to go through the headache, I mean, people with more money have done so, Bezos. They choose not to. And it's so weird to me. I said this on uh, my social media pages. There are people who sit online every day and they talk about 
the number of black women, only women, although there's more unmarried black men than there are unmarried black women, but it's specifically a woman thing. They talk about the percentage of single mothers, never single fathers. They talk about the high percentage of women that file for divorce. They talk about gold digging women who marry high income men and then try to take half their money. And then they're also mad at a woman, a mother who chooses to stay married, who chooses to keep her family, quote and unquote, intact, who's not filing for divorce and is not trying to take half of people call it Will's money, but it's their money. They've been married for 30 years. Like, do people understand how marriage works? Like, you get married to somebody and then the money that y'all accumulate during the marriage is y'all's money. That's kind of, not even kind of, that is what the contract of marriage entails. People talk about marriage all the time and seemingly have no concept of the legal ramifications of it. It's more than just love and romance. Like there are actual legally binding agreements that affect your finances inherent in signing a marriage license. That is the point. I don't understand why people are so mad at her for being separated and also for saying they're separated. I've seen other stories trickle out. There's something about Tupac proposed to her when he was in jail. She also says she and Tupac never dated. She said they had no chemistry in that way. Nobody believes that. I believe it, actually. I always thought that they were friends and that was it. I never thought that there was a romantic thing between them because Jada's never even implied that. She talks about him a lot, but I think she talks about him a lot in the sense that, one, everyone talks about Tupac a lot. I've been all over the world. Maybe in one country, I haven't seen a Tupac mural or Tupac t-shirt somewhere. He is a globally known rapper slain in his mid-20s and has become an icon and a martyr of sorts. Multiple cultures are obsessed with Tupac. You think the people that actually knew him would be less obsessed than the public? I had a friend who died by suicide when I was 13. I don't know that more than a week or two has passed in my entire life over the last 30 years that I haven't thought about her. If your really good friend dies, somebody that you love, especially if they die young, that you think about them. Jada has a platform or had where she was required professionally to talk a lot. But yeah, she talks about Tupac. I don't see her talking about Tupac any more than Diddy talks about Biggie. It doesn't bother me that she talks about Tupac. And I don't feel that her talking about a man who has been dead for 25 years is some sort of threat to her marriage. Will Smith has previously said that he was intimidated by Tupac. I'm like, is this Jada's problem? Or is that Will's problem? Like, what is Jada supposed to do about his self-esteem? It's not like she's out here talking about, you know, sex with Tupac or he was better endowed than her husband or she's comparing them to each other. She's talking about her deceased friend who she knew as a kid. Like, if you died, when you died, you don't want nobody to keep your memory alive? People just don't like her. I mean, that's what it is. So everything she says, people find like great fault in. I will say this though, and I really want to read the book because some of the stories that are coming out, I need context. Because the latest one that I saw, she said she was surprised that Will Smith, her husband, called her his wife after he slapped Chris Roth. And she said, you know, we've been separated for seven years. We weren't using the term husband and wife with each other. So I was surprised that he referred to me as that. And I was like, ma'am, Miss Ma'am, Ma'am Ma'am, grown ma'am, you are aware that y'all are still legally married. Separated is married. Legally separated 
is still married. Living in separate houses, living in separate states, even not speaking to the person that you're married to still means you're married. I don't understand how she's surprised that Will calls her his wife. Y'all are separated, but y'all showed up to the event, walked the red carpet as an intact couple, as husband and wife. Y'all sat there in the front row as husband and wife. So I don't understand how you're confused. He referred to you as his wife when you are presenting as his wife and also legally his wife. I was like, I must be missing context. Or <laughs> people have been saying for years that Jada is out of her goddamn mind. And I was like, are you? Because this is the one that just pushed me over the edge. Like, I was like, I've been riding for Jada. I've defended Jada. You know, because you've listened to the podcast. You know I've been team Jada. But this whole, like, why would he call me his wife? Because you're his wife? And that's your husband. You might not fuck with the nigga, but that's still your husband. <sighs> that's the pod. Apologies on the lateness. We'll be back on Tuesday. Hopefully I'll be back in Maryland. I love New York, but this city is intense. I'm not complaining. I'm just pointing out a fact. All right. Talk Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.